Welcome back to the Wisconsin Runner Podcast. I'm back. Next episode, Spencer Agnew, your host, here with my good friend and co-host, Thomas Breitbach. Still some good running going, everybody. Always, always. And we are excited today to have Andy Shine in. She is a new addition to the Wisconsin running community. Um, some people may not know who she is. We're going to kind of get into her origin story and kind of hear how she got into running and how she ended up here in Madison, which is cool. So welcome, Andy. Hi, everybody. Happy to be here. So take us back to the beginning. When did you start this journey in running? How did you get into it? How did that all play out? Yeah, so I didn't come from a running background by any means. Um, for most of my youth, I was more into the arts and the humanities rather than doing any sports at all. I know looking back now, my parents laugh. I couldn't even run the full mile in middle school until the end of it. Um, I really got into running after my mom started to. She had decided um, that she wanted to run a 5K by age 50. So as she started getting into that, um, she got hooked up with the local running community in Crystal Lake and our local running store. And um, a good friend of hers got her on a like, kind of couch to 5K type program. And so after my mom completed her first 5K, and then her first half marathon, and um, all those types of races, they asked her to be a coach for the Couch to 5K program that the local cool. running store was putting cool. on. Because of that, they were like, well, we'll give you a free entry um, for the group just to you know, compensate you for helping out. And so I used that entry. <laughs> um, Thanks, Mom. Yeah, and that's when I was in about seventh grade. Um, so just going in the afternoons once a week, run walking, I slowly built up to being able to do that 5K, but I was by no means fast. It was quite the trot. Um, and so in middle school, I was still too nervous to try out for the track team, to do cross country um, at that point because I was just afraid of being too slow. And um, after a lot of prodding from a mutual friend who coached at another middle school, I decided to go out for cross country in eighth grade. And I was thrilled to just be doing eight minute miles for two miles at that point. Um, I had very minor success, but enough success that it kept me going. Because by the end of that season, I made the conference team, which was the middle school version of varsity. I was the last one on, but it was still exciting hey, hey. nonetheless. Yeah, and so that got me excited to go out for track, which I'd never considered in my life up to that point. So eighth grade was the first time I'd done either cross country or track, and it was just a very fun experience. You know, at age like 12, 13, there's no real pressure on you to perform in any certain way. I think I probably ran like five miles a week's tops. Um, so that was really fun. And I had built up enough confidence to try out for the high school team, or not even try out, everyone's allowed on it. But I went to summer running and I quickly- um, Where'd you go to high school? Where are you from originally? Where'd you go to high oh, school? Oh yeah, I went to um, high school in Crystal Lake, Illinois. That's where I've lived my entire life up until I moved for college. Um, and so there's a couple Crystal Lake high schools and I went to Prairie Ridge. Um, I know some of the other local girls, Erin Wagner also went to um, high school with me. She was one of the first people I met when I started summer running. 
and it was just a very welcoming community and environment. I was really, I still can be kind of shy, but I was very shy at that point, and those girls were very welcoming and helped me kind of break out of my shell. So beyond just doing something athletic, I enjoyed cross country and summer running in high school, just for the friendships I was starting to form and meeting new people and just enmeshing myself in a different environment that I'd experienced up to that point. And high school cross country was very much an extension of my experience with middle school cross country, where I had minor success that I didn't really see going anywhere, but it was just enough where I got that taste and wanted a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. yeah so by um, the time my freshman year of high school cross country rolled around, I had um, gotten fast enough where I was on the varsity team, and that was such an exciting experience for me. Like two years ago, I couldn't run a mile. Now I was a freshman on varsity running three. And um, I really enjoyed the girls that I was running with. We didn't have major goals or anything. I think my freshman year I covered three miles in like 19 minutes and 40 something seconds. So it was good, but I was not at the front of the pack by any means. And um, the next couple years was just a lot of minor progress. I don't think I ever broke 19 minutes until my senior year of high school. Um, and that's when I had my first big jump in time, where I was finally somewhat competitive, just through hard work. And I really wanted to make state. I didn't realize how difficult it would be, but I just had that desire after Aaron had qualified as an individual the year before me. So I just upped my mileage. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just started running everything a little bit faster, working harder, really visualizing and believing in myself. And I think that year I had over a minute PR at the sectional. Wow. <laughs> so I went from being a 19 something three miler my junior year to breaking 18 minutes for three miles. <laughs> By just a little bit. I ran something hey, counts. That's all right. <laughs> so that was really exciting. And up until that point, I had no desire to run cross country in college because it didn't seem like something that I could. It's feasible. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I knew I wanted to go to a big school that would have a lot of academic opportunities for me, and I didn't see any way to combine my passion for running at an elite level with um, wanting to go to a school that, like a Big Ten school that would have a lot of academic opportunities. But after that, meet my senior season where I ran sub-18, um, I was just like, maybe I have a shot at walking on on a team. Like, Erin had done it with Wisconsin. She had had massive success. I was really proud of her and really inspired by her. And so I just decided to email the coaches at the two universities I narrowed down my sights to, which was Iowa and Minnesota. Minnesota never responded. Okay. Um, Iowa immediately responded, brought me out um, on a trip just to meet the team, 
watch an indoor meet and it was a great experience. I'd already liked Iowa a lot when I visited there just for academic opportunities and then getting to meet possible new friends and teammates and seeing what life was like for a college athlete. I was gung-ho, like, ready to sign up. So um, I committed to Iowa pretty shortly after that. And again, I had that motivation that I did leading up to my senior year of high school as I was going into freshman year of college, where I just upped my mileage without a real plan other than what was the summer running plan for the Iowa girls and tried to run everything a little bit faster. Um, and that worked out pretty well for me. I improved a lot from senior year of high school cross country and track to my first meet as an Iowa cross country runner. I think our cross country 3K, I probably ran faster than my track 3200 a season um, prior. And so going in to Iowa, I just wanted the opportunity to compete I knew I was a walk-on. There were other girls that had come in on scholarship. I didn't really see myself as a scoring member, but I just wanted to be able to travel to the first couple meets or so. Um, that season, I ended up being one of the top seven girls all the way through the regional meet, and um, I just continued to improve from there. Um, and then I remember having some minor success during indoor track where I had PRs that bested my high school PRs by a lot. Um, but it wasn't anything where I saw myself as like a high caliber division one athlete. It was just enough for me to get on the bus and travel to other meets. And so I really enjoyed my freshman year at Iowa and I had a lot of intrinsic motivation but at the same time, I didn't really see myself doing anything on a bigger scale. Um, the summer between my freshman year at Iowa and my sophomore year, we had a coaching change. Um, the coach that had recruited me left to go to Tennessee, and then we got Randy Hassenbank from Loyola, Chicago. Um, his coaching style was completely different. It was a tough transition at first. I felt like I was working really hard and not seeing results. My sophomore cross-country season, I never ran faster than I did my freshman cross-country season, and that was kind of a tough pill to swallow. I was doing more, I was more focused, but things just weren't aligning. And then after that break in cross-country season, um, and just coming back fresh, ready for a new season with indoor track, all the little things seemed to align and I had massive improvements. And so that's kind of what got the ball rolling for the later success, which is kind of adjusting to the change, learning to cope with the frustrations of a plateau, and then readjusting when the new season allowed for it. What sort of things allowed you to kind of stay committed to what you were doing? during that fall season when you weren't seeing the results, which you had seen kind of season to season going forward? I really loved my teammates and we all had a strong bond that season. So even when it was difficult to have the intrinsic motivation to keep improving, I didn't want to let down the girls that I was working with. 
And even though it was a struggle to adjust to a new coach with a new training plan, I had a really great relationship with Randy and okay. I still do. Okay. So he could keep me going in the moments that it was difficult because he truly believed in me and my teammates. Was that a pretty good transition like culture-wise for the team? Because it's got to be a huge transition. You bring somebody new into an already established culture and team. Did you get transition pretty well with that? Did it take a little bit of work from your side and from Randy's side? How did that process go down? Um, it was difficult for some individuals. It was also, so Iowa, um, the men's and the women's program are combined. So it was really difficult on the guys as for the older one, that was their third coach in a couple seasons oh, okay. because they had originally had coach was And when he retired, Lane Anderson filled in that spot. And then when Lane left, um, they had to adjust to Randy, who was quite different from both mm-hmm. Lane and uh, Coach Wiz. So it was really difficult on that side. Some of the newer guys um, were able to approach the coaching adjustment with more um, grace. The girls, we had only had Lane and Randy. So it was difficult for those that had a really close relationship with Coach Anderson, as one can expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but not everybody, as much as we all liked Lane, not all of us had that really close bond with him. And so it was easier for those girls to transition. But Randy, um, he had been to a couple schools and um, at all of those, he took programs that were struggling and made them something great. So he approached Iowa with that mentality, and I think a lot of us bought into that, that even though we're not the best in the Big Ten right now, we have the ability to be with through hard work. Awesome. Were there things that he did along the way during that transition process to really win you guys over, or was it more sort of an intangible factor? that? I think he hit the nail on the head with calling it an intangible factor. I think something that really worked is his coaching style is based a lot on charts and having specific times for workouts, whereas most of my training prior to that had been fartlicks, going off of feel, no specific pace. He showed what we were capable of and what times we should be running, and it's really easy for somebody to buy into the fact that, you know, if I can accomplish this time for an interval in practice, I can run this time in a race. So... With those more quantitative factors, I think people started to slowly, um, yeah, just buy into him as a coach and what he was capable of bringing out of us and what we were capable of accomplishing on the course. So that was the fall, and then into indoor season, you started to see a little bit more success. Kind of things came to fruition for what you had been doing. Yeah, so my freshman indoor season, I ran 10-10 for a 3K, and in my first, uh, and that was at Big Tens when I had a lot of competition pulling me forward, and I was just struggling to hang on to the back of the pack. My first indoor meet, I ran a solo effort just a couple seconds off of that 10-10, and it felt easy. Like, if I could have had somebody pulling me, I knew I could have run faster. So just being that close to a PR and feeling so comfortable doing it, I was like, all right, I'm ready to get the ball. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then I never ran a mile my freshman year of college, 
and my next meet was running the mile and my high school PR was a 5.30 and in this I ran low five minutes so I could quickly see that the improvements were happening we're there. and I was yep. getting excited. And Randy's charts, um, he really believed that I was capable of running certain times in the 5K. I had never done an indoor 5K. I had run one 5K unattached my outdoor um, season freshman year. And I so close to breaking 18 minutes. And I was like, Randy thinks I can do it. I really believe I can. He's going to get me out to Notre Dame and that's going to be a great meet. So um, I had a lot of excitement and I could feel that I was ready to best my own times. And so going into that Notre Dame 5K, I was like, it's a big PR, but I think 1720, 1730 is totally doable. So I went in with that number in mind, but I also didn't want to count myself out if I was feeling good. Um, I was just gonna go with the pack and like see what happens. Um, so that evening I ran my first indoor 5k and I broke 17 minutes. I ran in the 16 Just skip over the 16s yeah. altogether. Yeah. yeah. I remember walking away from two Minnesota girls, with two Minnesota girls. They were really excited. They're like, yeah, we just broke 17 for the first time. I was like, just broke 17 and 18 for the first time. And it felt great. That was my first real measure of success that I could see everything was building up. Um, so yeah, with that race, you ran your high school mile PR three yeah. times in a row. <laughs> yeah. yeah, with that race, I had a lot more confidence, just see what I could do, put myself out there. Um, in the past I'd run pretty complacent in races. Mm -hmm. I would just put myself in the pack, try and hold on. And after that, when I realized that I had the ability to be more competitive, if I just believed in myself. So um, I started trying to be more of a front runner in later races. I, that season I broke 10 minutes for the 3K in the first time and then came back to run um, the 5K at Indoor Big Tens. I was the first person to um, be pushed into the slow heat. Mm. And so I had little bit of frustration a little bit of angst going into that and I wanted to prove myself that I should have been in that better heat so going into that race my teammate and I worked together for the first um, maybe like one or two K and then I was still feeling good I was ready to get the ball rolling um, and so I just kind of took it and ran a solo effort from that 2k mark to the 5k and I had another PR and that helped build my confidence quite a bit <laughs> Um, and so after that little bit of a break um, between indoor and outdoor, I ran one 1500 on the spring break trip, but I don't have much foot speed, so that wasn't much of a confidence booster. I was ready to get back into the lawn stuff, and I ran a 10K at Mount Sac. Um, that was the first 10K I'd ever done before Randy even came to Iowa. I never saw myself as a 10k runner that just seemed like a long distance my mileage wasn't conducive to it it was kind of scary so my success during indoor just fully buying into what randy saw that i was capable of i went to mount sac and i ran just under 35 minutes 
for the my debut 10K. That was pretty exciting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Seeing myself like on the Tifers list in the middle of that like top 50 awesome. And um, yeah, I just had a lot of excitement for the rest of the season. Um, there was more 5Ks where I'd take a couple seconds off here or there, but nothing as exciting as that 10K at Mount Sac. Um, the, I ran big 10s and I did the 10K there. And that was the first moment that season where I felt a little bit of overwhelm because it was the first time I didn't PR. I placed better than I thought I would have. The season before, I never even saw myself making the bus to go to outdoor Big Tens. But then not having that PR that I'd been so accustomed to mm -hmm. since indoor track season, it was difficult. And I was right on the fence of, am I going to make regionals? Am I not? And so that was the first mental setback that I'd had that season where I really had to reevaluate what I was capable of as a runner and whether or not I truly believed in myself or I just believed in the times that I was running. I ended up making regionals. I was number 47 in after a couple scratches. So, <laughs> so, you know, I had one person ranked behind me. It's better than me. Yeah. I was 48. <laughs> the last, last one in. Yeah. But all of a sudden it was pretty scary, like knowing that Here's a bunch of individuals. We're all being ranked. I know that I'm sitting really far down at the bottom. Um, can I do this? And so we went out to Austin. I tried to just let things be, take it as it comes, appreciate the experience mm -hmm. rather than set my sights on nationals when I'm number 47, not number 13 or something. Um, so that experience allowed me to believe in myself again because rather than try and go for a time when it's 80 degrees and 100% humidity in Austin, Texas, I just wanted to complete another 10k and show people I was show people I was capable of more than a number 47 spot. Right. So that race I just went out comfortably knowing that the heat would play a factor and I was able to just pick girls off one by one and I ended up finishing much higher than I was ranked. And so that kind of reinforced that my capabilities had not yet been shown in full at that point. And so the success of that track season and the season before after such a stagnant cross country period gave me a lot of excitement but also a lot of nervousness going into my junior season. I spent the entire summer running just really agonizing over whether or not everything had been a fluke and I was going to go back to a plateau or whether I was on the upward climb to something greater. So kind of battling with that anxiety and worry that maybe I wasn't good enough it was difficult, but it also helped a lot of personal growth because I just had to take the days as they came, appreciate what progress I had made, and be comfortable with the fact that I might once again plateau, but also understand that my limits 
hadn't fully been tested and if I just believed in myself I could accomplish something greater if nothing else I had learned not to be complacent in races and try and make myself a front runner did that regional meet change a little perspective at all with that because a lot I mean a lot of us in running we get we see the times cut down yeah. it's an easy way to see success just going on based off the numbers mm-hmm. but that only takes you so far when you have a bad weather day or some other variables at play that you're not going to PR and then you come to the regional meet where the weather is awful <laughs> and it is all about trying to be at a certain place and it's all about competition and being competitive and it seems like you fully embrace that yeah I did and so that was something that kind of helped with that reckoning process during my next summer running was that learned that maybe I might not PR, but there were other ways that I could be competitive. And see success, and, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And just trying to be that front runner, trying to take something away from a race other than a time. Maybe it would be a place like finishing higher than anyone expected I might have, or just learning something. So going into my first cross-country meet of junior year, I tried to stick with that kind of mentality and just focus on being competitive and taking something away from the race other than putting a time or place expectation on the race alone. And um, yeah, that was a really fun way to approach it. I ended up being, I was top runner in the meet for the first time ever um, that cross country season. And just having those other factors um, in play than just what time can I run, which is yep. a really difficult thing to do with cross country. <laughs> if we have any high school kids that listen to this, I don't know if we do, listen to this over and over and over again because this is where kids get stuck. Like, I'm not running faster times. Why am I doing this? Where's my improvement? And you can still improve in other ways, and that's where your growth as a runner is really going to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so I did end up having a PR for that course. But it was one where I was like, ah, I could definitely run faster <laughs> yeah. if yeah. it wasn't 75 degrees at whatever time with 100% humidity. Yep. Um, but it was really exciting being Iowa's top cross-country runner for the first time in my career at that point. And that continued where I ended up being the top runner every cross-country race. And um, we'd go to smaller meets where I could immediately put myself in the front of the pack. And so that gave me confidence to try and run at the front in bigger meets. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we got to Big Tens, I again had that kind of reckoning moment where I felt a lot of imposter syndrome. Like all of these smaller meets, we haven't had these national caliber teams or they haven't been running their top girls because they've been saving them. So I've had success, but maybe it's all gonna come crashing down and be put in the big dogs. And um, I remember I felt pleased with my finish at the moment it happened. I was like, all right, this is a decent time. I placed higher than I ever have in the past. But then um, talking with Randy after that race, he was like, why didn't you go out a little harder? Like you ran negative splits after the first K. Like if you just would have put yourself in a little bit higher position those girls could have taken you. Um, I realized that mentally I'd taken myself out of being that front runner before I even had the chance. So um, 
that frustrated me for the next two weeks until regionals, knowing that like I was my own worst enemy that race. It was nothing physical, but purely mental. So at regionals, I went up hard. That was um, the year uh, Carissa Schweitzer won nationals, I think, or maybe the year after. But anyway, she was a big dog at that point. Um, yeah. I was running <laughs> yeah. in a pack with her at one point. She was going easy, I was going hard, but um, it was really exciting. And I ended up finishing 20th at regionals that year. Right. And um, it was a struggle to get myself across the finish. I was up a little bit higher at earlier points in the race, but I'd never even imagined all regionals before that season, before those last couple meets of the season. So it was really exciting. And again, that mentality of I need to just believe in myself and not take myself out of the race before it even started, came back. Um, so that translated over to another really fruitful um, indoor track season where again, I was having more and more PRs. I think I ran 1640 my sophomore season outdoor and my first indoor 5k of my junior season I ran 1621 um nice yeah so that was an exciting moment got the ball rolling um but then came another setback with indoor big tens I finally made that faster heat but it went out really slowly and I let other girls dictate the race for me when I'm always somebody that's go out hard, try and run consistent splits, and just struggle your way across the finish line. Um, I went out with a whole bunch of girls that took the pace out pretty conservative because they could run negative splits on that last half, which somebody with not much foot speed couldn't really do. So I just walked away with such frustration after that meet because it was kind of like Big Ten's cross where I let the big dogs dictate the race for me because I didn't believe in myself enough. So um, that spring break, I didn't run any of the meets that we went to. My coach just had me do workouts and nice weather. Um, kind of great, but also my first meet of the outdoor season, I kind of had that looming weight of Big Tens on me. Um, and it was also a mental struggle going into that first meet because it was a 10K, and that's what... It, I specialized in so I felt like I had to have really big goals and I had to just have a great effort right from the get-go and so I put a lot of pressure on myself to just perform well and so I had a lot of mental angst going into that race but the week of the meet I just tried to remind myself that I would meet myself where I was at and I would do what I could do and kind of taking off that burden that for a few weeks I had placed on myself helped me relax and I had great teammates that made the meet fun around it and I ended up having a huge PR. I went from being weird how that works. Yeah, <laughs> a girl that ran 34.49 as her PR to 33.50 that meet. Um, and it was also something that I just ran really consistently with another girl because I one of the first ones to make that slow heat at Stanford. So I think not putting so much pressure to let other people who are big names dictate the race and just do what I could do um, 
really helped. And so that's what I went into the rest of the season thinking. Just run my splits. My coach knows what I'm capable of. I know what I'm capable of. Don't uh, swing for the other teams. And so that worked out great. Um, Big tens came around. I knew I was capable of running a really fast 10K, but the conditions weren't conducive for it. It was like record heat in Indiana that year. They pushed the 10K back an hour just to save us a little bit of extra effort. Um, but the race went out really slow. And after all of those frustrations that I'd had, you know, swinging for the big dogs, girls ranked above me, I just decided to do my thing and um, I just ran by myself for the first half of the 10K. Um, Aaron Finn and Catherine Receiver, they were in one, two, doing their own thing. Then there's me sitting in the third spot and of everyone else behind me. So I could only imagine what the people in the stands were thinking. like when is this girl gonna blow up? Like, why did she go out? This is such a silly thing to be doing, um, running alone, but that's how I raced. And I ended up getting sixth in the Big Ten that year when I was ranked as maybe a nine or 10 kind of girl. So finally listening to myself, trusting my intuition, I had amazing success and it was really exciting. And that carried in through the rest of the season where I was just finishing out, trying to run a PR, run a good race. Um, I never ended up running better than 33.50 that season, but I got really close to it at our regional meet. And so just having that mentality of knowing that if I believed in myself and I trusted in myself, I would have a good race really carried on for the rest of my career. What were some of those ways? It sounds like you've had a lot of those moments where like you've had a significant amount of doubt or questions about what's going on and been able to kind of find that quiet to be able to then redirect that. Like what's your process like to kind of put down the more negative voices and be able to find your truer self in there? I'm still trying to make that something I can do on my own. Um, I think having Randy there with me was great because, um, you know, he would question me, like, why are you putting so much emphasis on what other girls are capable of or what other teams are doing? They're not following the same path as you. They're not doing the same training as you. Um, just having him kind of forcing me to analyze my self-doubt and work through it was yeah. really helpful. And so now when I am going through those moments, kind of like a call back to like, what would Randy say? What would Randy say? (laughs) And so that's helping, but it was something that was very much spurred down by him. Yeah, that's awesome. So after Iowa, what was next? Moving here for law school. All right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that's been a new endeavor. Um, Kind of talked before this is trying to manage the workload of law school along with the workload of being a competitive runner, like maybe if I were running three miles easy a couple days a week, like that would be just like a great relaxation technique. But now I have goals for being accomplished on the roads and running fast marathons or half marathons. 
as well as just maintaining the workload that law school is. It's been difficult, but I think it's been a worthwhile endeavor. One of the things that I started to grapple with in running for Iowa was that I ran, I ran best A, when I wasn't putting so much pressure on myself, but B, when I didn't make running my identity. Mm-hmm. And so when I had fallbacks to just be Andy in a different way when running wasn't always great, that's translating now to being a law student and a runner. So I don't have just that one looming identity. I think some of my classmates do struggle with the fact that they are law students. They don't have other things to fall back on. So the weight of like a bad grade or just the fact that our finals are coming up and it's worth 100% of our grade and you might not get one concept. Like that's a lot for them and they don't really have something to fall back on that's, oh, I'm a person outside of law school, this doesn't define me. And so, yeah, I kind of am in flux between I'm a runner on the days that law school isn't great and I'm a law student on the days that running isn't great. Um, that Yeah, it's a flux that helps. I'm trying to remember I have hobbies outside of those two things so I'm not defined by any one label that's helpful um, in managing it, but there's still always that stress that I'm trying to navigate before first semester of my 1L year is even up. So you transitioned to the marathon, right? Did you always foresee that as a place you'd end up? I knew I would run a marathon one day. I did not know it would be so soon. I was pretty set on giving myself a lot of time. I can be competitive in this or that, but uh, yeah, Thomas thought Indy would be a good fit. There was just a lot of excitement around the idea of finally doing it, Um, and so it was a great experience. I really loved it. I'm glad I did a marathon this early out of undergrad. How did it play out? So let's say first, how did the, the marathon training with law school play out, and then we can go to the results? The marathon training with law school was a lot. I think um, could have just done like a marathon maybe two weeks earlier. <laughs> <laughs> maybe done Chicago would have been great. But um, oh my gosh, I was doing a lot of my long runs and workouts alone. All of my long runs and workouts alone for the like weeks leading up to the marathon, and so there was a lot of just mental strain, like oh my gosh, am I running fast enough? Like, should I be doing this right now? Like, I'm running 20 miles in like a little bit over two hours. That's two hours away from my studying. So there was just that frustration and stress of like, should I be putting my efforts into this? Um, And then there's also just the fact that some days I didn't feel like I was running fast enough and I struggled to allow myself to believe like, yeah, I'm coping with a lot. Like maybe the reason I'm not able to hit pace today is because I only slept five hours and was doing contracts work for another five. Um, It was really hard for me to reckon with that and actually believe that outside factors were impacting me as much as they were. So um, yeah, I dealt with a lot of that self-doubt that I had tried to push out of the way during undergrad and I was constantly shifting my goals. 
Whereas when I signed up for the marathon, a trial qualifier seemed really doable. By a couple weeks um, leading up to the marathon, I was like, I just want to finish. Breaking three hours would be great, but there are some days where it's so hard to just get out of bed and do an eight or nine mile run. I just want to be able to finish this marathon that I've put so much emotional and physical stock into. So the week leading up to the marathon, I just um, tried to meet myself where I was at. I would go on runs with Thomas and Gabby and just kind of alleviate the angst that I had by venting and saying like all the little frustrations going on and just putting my doubts out there so they weren't weighing down on me so heavily. Um, and then I just tried to ease off of everything a little bit, like ran a little bit less, ran a little bit slower so I could feel fresh. Um, I readjusted my work schedule just to give myself a little bit more sleep and I figured I could catch up on everything when I wasn't running the week after the marathon. And so allowing myself that little bit of downtime that I hadn't since the semester started really helped and the marathon was a great experience. I felt fresh going into it. Um, I didn't have all that angst of trying to juggle everything because I'd allowed myself to ease back a little bit. Um, it was great and not having that looming time goal um, and just wanting to finish was also a huge relief. I started off really slow and I think that helped. Um, I remember at the beginning, I found a couple women who said they were just trying to break three. I was like, well, I, I should stick with them. Like, that's a really safe bet. I don't know what I'm capable of. Running's been hard for the last couple <laughs> weeks. Um, but I felt too good. And I was like, I hope this doesn't come back to bite me, but I'm going to leave these women. I'm just going to go. And so I just started to really trust my instincts and my natural intuition. I remember after my first gel at the 10K mark, I was like, oh, wow, this is how I feel after every subsequent gel. I can do a marathon because I just have a new like burst of energy. This is great. So with that, like just good feeling, um, I decided to just pick up the pace, try and keep the same people in my sights for X amount of time. Or if I was feeling really good, I would just try and pick off person by person. Um, and so, yeah, just having that kind of mentality of finishing, feeling good, um, and just trying to catch people as I went on. Um, that really helped, and all of a sudden I remember hitting the half mark and still being like right under trials qualifying time. I was like, oh, I am totally exceeding my expectations now. Let's just try and keep this pace going. Um, and so, there were a couple women around me and I just tried to stay with them. If they started to slow down, I would just pass them and try and keep the same pace going so I didn't slow down with them. And I was feeling great until about mile 20 and that's when that like mental burden kind of came on. So all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, this point right here is the longest run that I've ever done and now I have a 10k and that was the longest race I ever did in college. <laughs> yeah. um, so I tried to play like little mental games yeah, just to keep going. Yeah. 
I was kind of waiting for like the pain to really start and it never did but I just realized at one point I was like oh my gosh no matter how fast I want to go my legs just aren't gonna they won't (laughs) work with my mind so just uh finding ways to stay at that max speed which was no longer very fast um and just make the miles go by quickly mentally um that really helped and all of a sudden I realized I was at mile 24 I only had 2.2 to go I was like I'm just gonna try and grin and bear it uh you know keep a smile on my face even though I'm in pain and the crowd support at that point was great I realized how close I was that I could do it and when I saw that finishing stretch that I was at two hours 46 something it was one of the happiest moments I've had in my running career because yeah I was close but not close enough to a trials qualifier but I just exceeded all the expectations that I had built up those past couple weeks when things got tough and I was learning how to navigate two very difficult things at once. So with the marathon now behind you and not so fun time with school ahead of you, (laughs) what's the next couple months year kind of look like for you with regards to running in school? Yeah, well, right now, just on my break, so uh, enjoying just being a student for a couple weeks, and then I think the couple weeks after that will just be learning to juggle everything again, maybe doing it in a more manageable way than at the beginning of the semester when I was navigating a new city, a new coach, new academic environment, Mm -hmm. so building up my mileage again. Um, I don't have any races on the radar right now that I know of, but I'd really love to do another half marathon. Had a fun time at Whitewater when I did that. Shout out Whitewater. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know I'm going to do another marathon at some point because that was such a great experience. But I think, yeah, the foreseeable future is just learning to manage everything a little bit better and keep running as fun as it's been. Awesome. Awesome. I think that we'll, we'll cap that with the kind of story time yep. and go into our rapid fire questions. Yeah. So, got to lead off. It's, you're our first non Wisconsin native that's been on the podcast. Uh, Packers or Bears? I'm a Packers fan. Let's go. That's, Let's that's go. what we need to hear. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> my parents, not too much into football, but my cousins indoctrinated me into being a Packers fan. Awesome. They did, they did a good job. So since you are from, or went to the University of Iowa, Iowa basketball or Iowa football? Iowa football. Okay, okay. Shared very close training facilities, so when you always see the football players coming out of practice at the same time, you know they're working just as hard. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Did you ever uh, caucus in Iowa? Did you vote in the Iowa caucuses at all when you were an undergrad? I did not caucus. That was my freshman year. I did vote... Um, in the state of Iowa during the presidential elections, but I missed out on that chance to caucus. Yeah, caucus. Oh. <laughs> do you watch Netflix? I do watch Netflix. Favorite Netflix show? Favorite Netflix show. Or a show that's on Netflix. It doesn't have to be an original. An original. Yeah, like, what do you go to when you get What's your time? go-to? Honestly, I mostly use Netflix for movies nowadays. I'm more of a Hulu show kind of oh, person. Oh, okay. But... Freshman year of college, I did watch all of Frasier 
Okay. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. What's on Hulu? What's better on Hulu than? A lot of old sitcoms as well. Been rewatching Thirty Rock. Okay. Special. Nice. They've got the Golden Girls. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which Golden Girl would you be if you were a Golden Girl? Oh, I think I'm very much a Dorothy. Okay. <laughs> So you've had big days out in California at both Stanford and Mount Sac. Yeah. Which one do you like more? I love Stanford. That's such yeah. a great meet. You know, Mount Sac has a little bit of like that fun added bonus with um, whatever company is sponsoring it that year. I think the past couple of years were Brooks. Okay. So they always have some crazy glasses or something to take a picture with. But the energy at Stanford's great. I love all of the big names. Um, yeah, that one's just always had a little bit um, better memories for me. Mm -hmm. Solid. Favorite cross-country course? Favorite cross-country course? I was as great. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have a dedicated cross-country course, so it's more than just a golf course that they add 6K marks to. <laughs> um, yeah, even on the days that I wasn't forced to run there for practice, I would uh, run from my house and do a couple loops on there and head back. Okay. Nice. Good stamp of approval. Um, best finds at the Madison Farmer's Market since you've moved to town? Best finds at the Madison Farmer's Market. I don't know what uh, stand actually is, but there's one place that always has a vegan pesto that rotates a little bit. Okay. Uh, so whatever place that is, I love it. Um, I've bought a lot of pesto from them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shaylin told me about Chris and Lori's Bakehouse, so I've gone through all their vegan scones. Oh, That's nice. a fun time. And then anywhere I can buy flowers. I'm a big flowers person, so I buy myself a bouquet every week. That's lovely. What's your favorite flower? What's my favorite flower? I have a lotus flower tattooed on me, so I think I need to go with that. <laughs> okay. But flower that I could buy at the farmer's market would probably be a sunflower. Okay. Awesome. So, uh, speaking of vegan snacks, what do you like for your, how do you find that good like post-workout stuff or the, the vegan snacks that you find yourself just going to and munching on the most? Well, I would say peanut butter is my favorite food, okay. so any way that I can incorporate that, um, <laughs> perfect post-run snack. Yeah. My mom recently sent me uh, the seasonal flavors from Wild Friends peanut butter, so I've been experimenting with those, and it's been a fun time. What's the most exotic of a seasonal peanut butter? Well, they have four different flavors. There's pumpkin spice, chocolate pumpkin spice, <laughs> gingerbread, and uh, sugar cookie. And oh. I find myself partial to the chocolate pumpkin spice. Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Uh-huh. All right. Well, I think we'll wrap it up with that. Thank we, you again. We got to go get some tasty snacks now. I, I know. Yeah, now I'm hungry. And it's hungry getting about now. lunchtime. Yeah, so. and I <laughs> ate a long time ago. <laughs> but thank you, Andy, for stopping by and chatting with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Awesome. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode, too. Um, remember to trust the process, and everything's funner with Wisconsin Runner.